cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert, the story, headline, the spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image, promote your products, create expert status, become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101, crisis management, media blitzing, it's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Welcome, everybody, to Cover Story. This is your host, Jian Wei of Focus PR Web. Um, Brandy is not here today, but we have a special treat. We're joined by Margot Matias, also known as the Media Relations Maven. She is an award-winning writer, 20 years public relations industry veteran, and former newspaper and radio journalist who trains public relations practitioners. So she's kind of seen uh, media relations and public relations from both sides of the fence. Um, so, Margot, uh, welcome, welcome to Cover Story today. Thank you, Gian. As always, it's a pleasure to be here on Webmaster Radio. But I want to talk about Maggie. Maggie Fox is our guest today. She is the founder and CEO of Social Media Group, the world's largest independent social media company. She works with companies like Deloitte, Sears, Disney, and has recently done campaigns for Ford Motor Company, SAP, Yamaha Motor, Corbis, and Harlequin Publishing. Maggie's also been interviewed about social media by big radio stars such as the Washington Post, uh, CBC Radio, The Globe and Mail, CTV News, The Toronto Star, and Marketing Magazine. She is a member of the Social Media Collective and the Enterprise Irregulars. Welcome, Maggie. We are so glad to have you here today. Social media, of course, is very confusing for we PR people. So I want to find out from you, um, do you think PR people are actually really in the conversation, or are we just eavesdropping? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. Also, I, I really appreciate uh, being asked to participate. Um, do I think that PR people are just eavesdropping or are you part of the conversation? I think it depends on what you're doing. Um, I think that, you know, a, a good PR person exhibits many of the same traits as a, a good sort of social PR person, and that is you know who you're trying to talk to, uh, you know what they're interested in, in hearing about, you know what is of value to them, and you provide it in a very targeted personal way. And I think those, those skills, if, if you can transition them to dealing with bloggers and dealing with other online content producers, um, they stand the test of time. Nothing, nothing really new there. Right. Now, in terms of blogging, I always tell people not to just go into a blog and pitch because that's extremely rude, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, well, I, I think also, too, it depends on what you're pitching, um, and I think it depends on... It depends on it depends on what you're pitching ultimately. I think that if you have something like you know let's because let's face it, all pitches are not created equal. That sometimes it's a you know you're looking for placement on something that let's face it is is probably not really that interesting. Um, and if you just go in and pitch, chances are you're going to get nowhere. And you know you may actually be in a situation where people sort of say, hey, uh, what are you doing here? And and I would also never advise anyone to actually pitch in the comments. I think that tends to um, be that that's a little ugly. That's a little that's cluttery. That's cluttering up the space with something that's better as an offline conversation. But if you want to pitch somebody for the first time on something, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the, obviously the better the opportunity, the more likely you're going to have success. Um, and if it's something that you, you know, if, if, you, if you're in an industry where, let's say, the uptake isn't necessarily going to be so high on a lot of your stories, um, obviously that taking that time to build a relationship with the blogger and connect with them and make sure what you're pitching to them is appropriate um, is going to mean that uh, you do better with it. Now let me let me uh, ask you, Maggie. Um, do you 
when you're working with clients and you first come on and do you, do you find that they're, they're often kind of, you know, they come out with, hey, we need a blog or we want a MySpace page and you have to kind of retrain them or, or kind of help focus them? Or do you find that these days when, when a client comes on and works with you guys, they, they really kind of they, they understand that, um, they understand that, you know, you have to start with a strategy and, and then kind of build into the tactics from there? Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, it's a little bit of both. Uh, we tend to find that... Um, it's, it's sort of interesting. We tend to find that, um, you know, you, you sit down with someone and oftentimes they'll say, well, yeah, I mean, everyone's talking about blogging, so we need a blog, um, or we'd like to have a blog, or we'd like to explore having a blog. However, when you explain to them the process you need to go through in order to determine that your tactic, your, ultimately your strategy is grounded and that your tactics are appropriate, um, we find tends to make a whole lot of sense. That even though they're not accustomed to that paradigm, they're, us- they're accustomed to agencies coming in with the big idea, the big flashy idea, um, when you tell them that you need to, and this is true for, this isn't just our agency, of course, obviously from, from your question, Gian, this is, this is the way it works in this space. When you tell them that you need to take the time to find the right idea as opposed to the flashy big idea, uh, in, in our experience, we've found that they see the inherent common sense of, of approaching it that way. Um, the one challenge I think that we all still have is, is that when you're dealing with people that are very tactical and very immediate results, show me, show me exactly what I'm going to do so I can wrap my arms around it that can be a little mm-hmm. more challenging. Um, and that's a style thing. But, again, I think, it, you know, reinforcement, 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 um, people tend to see the sense of approaching it the right way. Do you guys tend to work, um, this kind of just popped into my head while you're, while you're talking, do you guys mostly mm-hmm. work with PR agencies or, or kind of internal PR departments? Or are you starting to kind of broaden and, and go into marketing or even advertising? Mm-hmm. It, you know what? It really, really depends on what the entry point is to, into the organization. Um, with Yamaha Motor, for example, a company that we did a corporate blog, we launched a corporate blog for them about a year and a half ago. Uh, we actually, the entry point was uh, product development and research, um, that that was where an evangelist sort of cropped up and, and recognized the importance of communicating um, with this vast group of enthusiasts in a different way. Um, so that was, that was sort of how we started working with them. Um, ultimately, that project ended up being funded by marketing down the road when we looked at you know, future, future initiatives that came out of that initial engagement. Marketing money started to kick in. Um, and then, you know, in the case of Ford, for example, uh, we're actually working with the communications department, although we, we do often bridge into marketing and, um, because that's how they work together, that, that marketing will often fund communications initiatives. So we find that we're really bridging the two organizations in the company, which is, um, you know, it's an interesting opportunity because the headspaces are often very different. Um, and then, you know, in other cases, uh, for example, with SAP, we're working with their marketing department. We developed their global social media strategy. So... I won't say there's a right way or a wrong way. It just happens to be where, where the itch erupts that needs to be scratched, if you want to put it that way, very <laughs> visual. <laughs> Thank you for that visual. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I mean, I'm just kind of thinking, you know, uh, my, my, my experience is, um, you know, the marketing people. So, I mean, I guess you guys have a very holistic approach from, from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, maybe we should start with that. Can you, can you kind of talk a little bit to your holistic approach? Sure. Um, the whole, you know, the cliche, the dreadful cliche, it's a conversation. Join the conversation. Um, nevertheless, and I know people are tired of hearing that. It's been two years of theory and, and uh, I think, uh, you know, sort of on the conference circuit. And I think a lot of companies are, are really looking for meat now. They want, they want hard case studies, and I don't blame them a bit. But nevertheless, um, that whole notion of the conversation, there's a reason it's a cliche, and that is because it resonates, because it is exactly what it is. And so the way our approach is based is, is ultimately on its, so, you know, it's, it's ultimately modeled on how people successfully join real-world conversations. 
so we talk about listening that if you want to join a real world conversation the first thing, if you and I are sitting around talking and someone wants to you know get involved in what we're talking about they have to figure out what we're talking about first and they have to understand what's being said how it's being said what will bring value to that conversation before they can even think of jumping in and then when they do jump in you know it's got to be appropriate and there's got to be a lot of listening that continues to go on while while value is added to the conversation and and that over time, ideally, what will happen is that by participation, you gain influence, and when you gain influence, you can take action in a credible way. So um, in, our, in our work, that takes the form of, um, you know, in the beginning, we do, we do external research where we say, okay, who are you trying to talk to? Um, what are they saying? All those sorts of things I just mentioned. And then we do internal research as well, which is what are your core business objectives? What is it you're trying to do? How are we going to measure it? What does success look like? Um, how can we drive revenue, which is ultimately the purpose of any marketing or, or communications Mm-hmm. Um, endeavor at you know at sort of at the bottom line, and then we try to bring those two things together. So, what does the audience want? What do you need to achieve? And, and how do those things come together? And and you know, to be honest, a lot of it is is very boring, but very important research where we sit down and we conduct interviews with people and find out what it is they're trying to do. What are their weaknesses, their strengths, and their opportunities? And you know, we we cra- crunch the data and bring it together um, in a series of recommendations that are based on. Um, the reality on the ground. What you know? What is it the company's trying to do, and and how can we help them do it? That's excellent advice, Maggie. Thank you so much for that. We have to stop and take a quick break here on Cover Story. So hang with us, and we'll be back with Maggie Fox, CEO of Social Media Group, here on Cover Story. Stick around. Cover Story. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, have you got the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. strings. Marketing to women expert Maria Retan will untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. Purse Strings with Maria Retan. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that Value Click Media had netted Fast Click, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BannersRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. You've got to work with Value Click Media. I got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry, we'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit Value Click Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOSeek.com. 
Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to Cover Story. This is your host, Gian Wei, from Gispier Web, and I'm joined today by our special guest host, Margot Matias, the media relations maven, and we are joined by Maggie Fox, founder and CEO of Social Media Group. So, Maggie, I'm kind of curious, with all the, the, all, all the, the grisly news coming out of Wall Street and, and uh, with the economy, I, I'm, I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on, on how this, this downtrend is going to impact social media budgets? I mean, is it First of all, is it, and if it is, then in what way? Um, you know, obviously a hot topic of conversation uh, at the moment uh, in, in, our, um, in our industry. I think that, uh, I think the reality is, and you know, you can accuse me of being overly optimistic, but I think the reality is that when times are very difficult, um, you see traditional marketing budgets shrink, which is a given. You know, less money spent on ad buys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, and, and for many companies, that is many hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, however, when you look at the investment required in a social media, um, and I don't want to use the word campaign because it's not really a, an appropriate word, but when you look at the, the investment required in a social media effort, um, the costs tend to be considerably lower. Um, and really, a lot of the costs tend to be on a resource perspective internally um, once companies really get going. So, uh, you know, and I think also, too, that when times are tough and really challenging, and we really are seeing a, a total upsetting of the Apple cart, I think, when we look at financial markets and business structure, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but there's some things happening that haven't happened since the Great Depression. Um, companies are really going to be looking at different ways of doing the things they still need to do because they do still need to market. So they're going to be looking for more effective ways to market that are more efficient and more cost-effective. And I think that, you know, saying, well, you know, we, we're going to, we could, you know, we'll take 10% of this million-dollar ad buy, which is a small ad buy for many companies that we work with in particular, we'll take 10% of this and, and you know, put it towards a social media pro- program that is going to start to, the effort being um, to try to start conversations around something that's really core to our business in a really credible way. So people are talking about it, raising awareness, and hopefully we're gaining credibility. Um, you know, for $100,000, you can do a lot. And I think that we'll start to see more companies um, really wanting to take those chances because they know what ads get them. And understanding that the market's changing and the way people consume information is changing, um, when times are difficult, you can't ignore that. You have to understand it even better because you have to get better at what you do because you don't have as much fat. So long, long answer to the point of, <laughs> I actually think that um, for pure play social media agencies, this actually will be an opportunity to um, to get into companies that, you know, if things were going really well, people might not be looking for other options. Well, you know, Maggie, that brings up an excellent point. I wanted to ask you, I mean, you've worked with companies like Disney, Sears, Deloitte, Ford Motor Company. Give us an example of a campaign, a social media campaign, and how that translated into dollars and measurement. In mm-hmm. terms and of I don't, I, I want, sorry? Oh, I think we just got a little reverb there. Um, 
I think one thing I do want to clarify is that the notion of campaign um, is not, is, that's not a space we work in. We don't talk about social media campaigns. We talk about, um, you know, initiatives or, or you know, it's, it's not a six-week experience. It's not a 10-week experience. It's, it's a commitment to doing it as part of the way you do business, no matter which function you're, you're coming from. Um, okay. You know, one of, but can yeah, you give us a sense of and I'm, what I'm one of those do, initiatives did and how it worked? Absolutely. I'm about to. Um, so one of the things that we looked at um, in, in part of our measurement work is now this is a challenge because it's really proprietary. <laughs> yeah, I was going to tell you this fabulous story, and then I'm well, really the whole world you, is I, listening. I so, and we know that, yeah, right? I doubt that. I doubt <laughs> that. Um, all right, so let's let's put that example aside. Um, I have another example, and I'm, I'm going to keep it. Um, I'm going to keep it neutral. So I'm, I'm obviously not going to be able to name clients. So um, we have a client who uh, was really one of their main business objectives was finding ways to unleash um, product managers into the, to the marketplace to, to really open a channel between product managers and the marketplace um, in order to get better insight into how the product was used and just to um, and provide a feedback loop. So, you know, there's an issue with this product. I wish it looked like this, um, et cetera, et cetera, just to, to start that conversation in order to improve product and speed product development cycles. Um, one of the things we recommended in order to achieve that business, that very specific business objective, which was a marketing objective, um, was and, and also a development objective, was to institute a corporate blogging uh, platform. So enable you know hundreds of product managers with corporate blogs so that they could communicate with the marketplace. And one of the other things we realized also too through our exploration was that this company spent approximately six million dollars a year on paid search, so Google AdWords. And we did a sort of rough paper napkin, back of the napkin kind of calculation and identified that if they did institute um, this corporate blogging platform as we'd recommended and it was properly um, uh, optimized, that they could effectively, minimum year one, reduce their paid search costs by 10%. So $600,000 in savings more than pay for the cost of the initiation of the program and a bunch of other things that we'd actually recommended they, they do as well. And that's a year one cost and that's an ongoing savings. So... There's an ROI right there. Um, another okay, so you saved them 10% on, on paper. Is, am I understanding that correct? There's an opportunity there for, that, for them to save $600,000. Yeah. Great. And yeah. did you achieve that in that first year? Um, actually, that's a program that's about to be initiated. So that was something okay. we identified as we worked through. Um, okay. One of an, another opportunity we identified with another company um, was the ability to... Um, with the ability to essentially affect um, product development cycle. So uh, long and short of it was this, that they had a dialogue with an influential in their space who was posting, he had two he had their machine and a competing machine, and it's not Ford Motor Company, um, their machine and a competing machine. And he was essentially saying, look, um, I've evaluated these two machines, and I would like to buy yours, but this other machine has a, a product part that I prefer, and I need it for, for the way I'm going to use it. So what the ability to have the conversation with him, the fact that this company had a platform and they were able to bubble that up and surface it, meant that the product development people could go back to engineering and say, look, we've identified through uh, somewhat informal market research that um, this product, if it, if it has this addition to it, um, is actually going to sell more units to people like this who use it in this way. So they actually went back and sort of did the calculations in terms of what it would add, and they actually developed the part that 
that would achieve that. Um, it was a quick add-on, and it was actually so. In other words, in other words, long and short of it is this: they actually improved product development um, and actually offered something to the marketplace that the marketplace wanted without having to go through the whole focus group, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, process. So, um, you know, keeping in mind that we work in marketing and communications, and, and tying those efforts to we sold twelve widgets is not something that most marketers can do. Um, but, you know, we always try to surface and identify those opportunities to save money and to, um, to obviously bring value to the business. So this is, this is an example of, you put it, informal market research. And, and I actually do, do some work over here at Vocus and, and product management. And so, you know, the, the idea, I want to suggest that the idea, just to play devil's advocate, the idea that a blogger could go out and say, listen, if you guys did this product a little bit differently, um, maybe we would actually buy it instead of going and buying, you know, a, a press release distribution from somebody else. Um, it, are we are we not setting a dangerous precedent where bloggers and, and online influencers have sort of a, a kind of a, an unfair advantage over other customers? Because the only difference between this person and the, any other customer is that they actually have a, a platform that they're going to be talking mm-hmm. about. It, but they they may not represent the views of the market. Yeah, and you know what? That is that is a great point. That is a, that is a very good point. And I think in some situations, um, when you look at um, you know certain segments of certain markets, yeah, the the vocal people online may not necessarily represent um, the vast majority. And in those cases, however, chances are something in social media isn't necessarily appropriate. So again, if you've gone through the stages you've gone through, you've done your appropriate research you would recognize that. You'd realize that, you know, this community is very small online. It's not particularly robust. We have a couple of really loud voices, but right. not, not a group that really, um, not a group that's representative. But absolutely, I mean, that's a great point. And, and where, how do you know when it's a fine line and, and, you know, maybe half of the people are online and half of them aren't? How do you know? I don't, I don't have the answer to that question. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's, I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you in my own personal experience, um, the only reason I, I take that, Temperate approach is because I have seen so many people internally when they see something published online, you know, there's like a switch that goes off in their head. They're like, "Oh my god, oh my god, look, this is published online. It must mm-hmm. be true." You know, it's almost like that old, yeah. like that joke about, "Oh, it's on the internet, so it's true." You know, yeah. but I've seen that pop up so much. So I guess from your guys' perspective, in some ways, you may, you must all, also have to combat that and, and kind of counsel temperance in some situations. Well, sure. I mean, you know, not uh, not all blog posts are created equally. Um, you know, that, that really there are a series of factors you want to look at when you want to look at how influential something is. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've certainly been in situations where a very senior executive has come across a post or something else that's, that's really not very positive and, uh, and said, we need to respond to this right away. And you, you sort of dig a little deep and you realize it's just literally some person way out in, way out in, in a field kind of doing whatever they want to do, sort of independent of, you know, a broader sense of, uh, you know, in, independent of what the majority sort of perspective is, and, you know, maybe they have one or two readers, and uh, at that point you have to judge, do I want to get into a, ultimately, do I want to get into a fight with this person? Is this, is this sure. really worth it? Clearly they think what they think, and is there any value in responding? I think you just have to, you know, judge each of those situations independently. And, you know, as, if you're participating, you, you start to know who the valued and respected members of the community are, and that's not just from your perspective, that's from the community's perspective, and understanding that, you know, what they think is, is actually extremely important, whereas other people perhaps less so. Um, yeah. And guys, I'm not sure how long we have to talk here, but I actually do have to run now to another meeting. I hope I'm not cutting us short. Well, we were actually about to uh, cut to a commercial break, but um, if you have to run, we can cut I'm to so a commercial sorry. break. And when we come, when we come back, we can kind of wrap things up a little bit. 
Great, and uh, and thank you very much for your good questions, Margot. And I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak to you too, Jeanne. It was nice speaking to you again. Great. Thanks for being with us today, Maggie. Thank you. Talk to you again soon. Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, what's that sound coming from your computer? That's the sound of me making money with Referback.com. They've shown me how to... Referback.com show me how to turn clicks on my existing site into cash. Referback gives you free banners, mailers, even your own personal account manager. Oh, can they help me make money off my blog, too? Absolutely. Your websites, your blogs, they can all be making you money. You can even earn 50% commission on your first month. Put some into your website. Just visit Referback.com. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R.com. More than a name. Susan, you're still responsible for digital marketing programs, right? Right. So your team is responsible for email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign optimization, and scheduling? Your point? Why are you so relaxed? My team deals with five different solutions, tech support teams, and just as many invoices, and it's making us mental. What is it? Aromatherapy? Acupuncture? Why are you so relaxed? You just have to simplify your tool set and unify your team. Lyris provides totally integrated email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign management, and calendaring functionality. It's all in one spot that provides a holistic view of all your team's efforts. And you get all of this functionality for $299 a month. So with Lyris, one company can do it all. I feel like I can cancel that acupuncture appointment already. To see how Lyris can simplify your life, visit Lyris.com or call 1-888-GO-LYRIS. Simplify, unify, and increase ROI with Lyris today. When it comes to finding the right customers with the right keywords, all you have to remember is ABC Search. ABC Search is the world's largest privately held pay-per-click network, giving advertisers the best pay-per-click traffic. With over 6 billion searches a month and industry-leading protection using ClickShield, their patent-pending fraud identification software, you can trust ABC Search to deliver the best possible traffic. When thinking about PPC and publisher solutions, all you need to remember is ABC Search. Quality partners, quality search, abcsearch.com. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0, SEM Synergy. Live broadcast Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel. On webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to uh, Cover Story. This is your host, Xi'an Wei, and I am joined today by Margot Matias, uh, the media relations maven. Um, and we had been previously joined by Maggie Fox, a social media group, but uh, she had an unforeseen issue pop up, and she had to skip out. So uh, we're going to be finishing up 
this episode. And one of the things that we have been wanting to discuss, and I know a lot of our, our listeners have been mentioning, is the social media release. Um, this is, just to give you a little bit of background information, uh, this is this is sort of a new approach, a new take on the press release uh, that had been that's been talked about over the past couple of years. And the impetus behind the social media release uh, was actually a, uh, a journalist uh, by the name of Tom Fremsky who um, was preparing a story and got really fed up with the traditional structure of the press release and wrote this uh, kind of milestone article called Die, Press Release, Die. And uh, kind of driven by that, a whole community of online PR practitioners and social media practitioners really took up the rallying cry and decided to uh, create a new version of the press release, which was dubbed the social media release. Now, the social media release is, is fundamentally different than the press release because the press release is, was traditionally oriented around pitching a journalist and getting a journalist interested enough to write a story. And so um, it had gradually over time taken on you know, more of kind of a salesy pitch type tone and, and so on and so forth. Whereas the social media release was really more oriented around structured content, kind of just neutrally stating the facts in a bullet format, putting testimonials and quotes out there, putting different types of multimedia images out there that would make it easier for both journalists and bloggers to really just kind of cut and paste or pull different elements from that press release and create the story that they wanted to create. Um, so I'm, I'm actually kind of curious, Margo, from a, from a media relations perspective, do you agree that there is this need to change the way that press releases are structured and to evolve it and call it something new? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the biggest complaint that I hear from practitioners around the country is that the press releases aren't working. And um, usually what I end up doing is having to cut half of it out, move things around, move it up front, and make it work better. In other words, make it key in on those, those absolutely important points keep it really, really short, get right to the point. And uh, I think social media press releases are a really great uh, evolution of the press release because the press release, as it's been, has not been working for a very long time. It's used, oh. I think, more as wallpaper and uh, floor paper than actual you know, media tool. Do you, do you actually receive, do you, do you, are you finding you're you receiving social media releases or kind of releases structured a little bit differently? I think by and far most practitioners are still doing traditional press releases. There are a few firms, uh, probably Edelman would be at the lead of that, um, Fleischman Hillard possibly second, that are really in on the social media press release wave and are doing that very well. Uh, I think the rest of people really feel like um, I have to put all the information in here. My boss is going to kill me if I don't list the name of the company six times. And you know, there's still of the opinion, not necessarily the practitioners, but their bosses and their management that press releases have to be put out every week. They have to be at least two pages long. And it's, uh, it's hard really trying to get that curve to change. Now, specifically, I mean, do we need to actually create a social media release? Or can we just change the way that we structure press releases or the way that we write press releases? I mean, why do we have to go through this, this almost revolutionary approach and say, hey, listen, let's just scrap the old way of doing it. Here's a new way. Let's, let's do it this new way. Why can't we kind of find some middle ground here? Well, I think it'd be good if we could find middle ground, but I think, and Maggie was referring to this too, you're kind of dealing with two different markets and two different audiences through the press release 
as a communications tool. And traditionally, I've always said the media release is basically like the closing document. You know, your pitch is the opener. You don't pitch through a press release. Uh, a lot of people do, but it's not very effective. So what I always tell people is, you know, make your pitch and then have the, the uh, press release serve as the closing document. It's got all the facts in it. It's got all the bullet points. It's got all the background. And, you know, the journalist can use that to write from and refer to. So in that sense, I think when you're trying to talk to journalists, the social media release may not always be the complete form. Um, I think when you're trying to interact in social space, post to blogs, um, have things have a life on the web on their own, social med- media release is definitely the way to go. But the traditional, and I'm not saying bad press release, a well-written, expertly crafted press release um, in its more traditional form, I think, is still important for reaching journalists and giving them sort of the whole deal versus the snippets and the links that the social media release does. Right. So so different targets, different goals, and we may actually use different, um, I guess, diff- the, whether, whether we use the press release or the social media release. It really depends on those first two questions. Now, now what I'm kind of curious about is, is as a former journalist, or and I guess as a as a current blogger and someone who who really works in in the PR industry, uh, can you give us some advice as to kind of the best way to to get that release once it's constructed, to get that release to the journalist? I mean, is it the traditional wire? Is it email? I mean, you know, I mean, what's what is the preferred method for delivery that you've seen? Well, I think it all goes back to being targeted. So you have to target your audience and. You have to know which media outlets um, are going to be most important and influential for you. And then I think you have to use the most direct method or the most effective method uh, to reach those. So it may be through a wire service. It may be through your own personal media database. It may be through a friend. Um, I know I personally you know, have used PR Web and uh, PR Newswire and Business Wire, and um, you know, they're, all, they're all great for particular functions. Um, but I think that... It's more important, like she said, to join the conversation and to put material out there on the web than it is to really worry about how to do it. You need to just kind of try and see what works for your market. But um, the point is we need to start doing these things. We need to get social media releases out. We need to be part of the conversation, and we need to be visible. So I think it's, you know, it's a try and, and not, not a try and pass and fail thing, but I think it's something that we need to look at in terms of measurement and see you know, which method works the best. But um, it's more important, I think, just to get out there and to start getting these things to work for us, definitely. Right. So just to kind of try to, try to wrap things up here, um, earlier in the show, Maggie talked about the importance of kind of initial research and evaluation on the, on the back end. But I think more than anything, this, this underlying idea that, you know, it's not necessarily, don't think about it as compartmentalized um, kind of campaigns over a six-week period, but think about it as kind of an ongoing cycle of conversation or an ongoing practice and something that becomes ingrained into all your different practices. And, and I think what you're saying right now, Margo, just to kind of ra- try to wrap that in, is, is quite similar uh, as far as the social media release is concerned. You know, the social media release is, is really a tool or it's one tactic, but it has to be one tactic out of uh, kind of a, a broader strategy of, of engagement and conversation. And the best thing to do is really just to kind of get out there and, and get active. Exactly, Gian. I completely agree. It's it's part of the mix. Uh, it's not totally yet the complete mix, but it's definitely a tool that we can't ignore, and it's a tool that we have to use and use smartly. Definitely. Well, well, thank you so much for for joining us and uh, on the show today. And again, uh, thanks to 
uh, Maggie. So unfortunately, she had to leave early. But thanks for for her participation on uh, on uh, cover story today. And um, I will look forward to uh, speaking with all of you uh, next week. Thanks, Jean. Take care. Take care.